there, and welcome to the Tuesday Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Holotic, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode, I'll be joined by another woman to hear her story and talk about everyday life. These are real women with real stories, and they want you to know that you're not alone in what you're going through. We're going to talk, answer some questions, and of course, we're going to have some fun too. I believe God wants us to be in community with each other. I believe that our lives weren't meant for isolation. I believe we're better together. And if you believe that too, then welcome to the tribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tuesday Tribe podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. We have a really special episode planned. It is my good friend, Sydney. She is sharing her story with her battle with depression, um, her faith story through that that time in her life. And it's just a really good conversation. So we are going to jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Sydney. All right, we're here with my good, good, good friend, Sydney. Sydney, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am very, very excited to be here. Squealing is the right word for it. <laughs> I love it. I know. We were so giggly and giddy when we were chatting just a second ago. I'm just, I'm just excited that you're here. So um, I'm really excited for everyone to get to hear your story and hear from you. So will you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Sydney. And I am a Colorado native, born and raised, spent my whole life here. I work as a optomechanical engineer for a company near Boulder, which is a lot of fun. It's the mix of the mechanical design work and optical lens alignment, which are kind of the best of both worlds for me. So I really like my job. It's been great. I love the people I work with. It's great. It's great. It's great. I'm going to say that a lot. It's great. <laughs> um, I have a great family. And I just adore them. And I don't know what else to say about myself. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a good start. So we're talking today about your battle with depression um, and just how that has impacted your life, what your life and faith looked like before, during, and as you've kind of come out of that season of your life. So will you start by... Um, just telling us the role that faith has played in your life. What, like specifically what your faith was before you experienced depression. So growing up, I didn't have much of a faith. I understood the basic concept of it, but I didn't, I guess, partake in Bible studies and I didn't go to church very often. Um, when I hit college, college was really hard for me going into engineering, it kind of drained my soul. <laughs> so about halfway through, I realized that I was just a train wreck and mm. I was a mess. And so one of my friends suggested I go back to church. And I did. The next weekend, I found a church to go to. And it was this little seven-person church that met in an in a, uh, elementary school gym. And they were playing dubstep Christian music when I walked in the door. <laughs> it was a different experience than the hymnal church I grew up in. So my faith really blossomed in college. I got a new group of friends that kind of understood what I was going through, and we had the same interests as far mm -hmm. as pursuing our faith and trying to build community. And then, so fast forward to post-college, I start joining Bible studies, and I find a church I really like, and I'm just feeling really strong in my faith. 
so a couple, let's see, maybe six or seven months before I started feeling the, the, the depressive symptoms, I went through a really hard week where in one week I had to put my dog down mm. and then I had my birthday. And then the day after my birthday, I lost my job. Mm. So in a span of six days, my life had drastically changed. Mm-hmm. But I felt this huge sense of peace over all of it because I knew that God had me and I knew that he had a plan and I was really leaning on the piece of scripture for I know the plans I have for you. Um, I, so that was what I was focusing on and I felt great. I was leading a Bible study. I was praying all the time and I just felt like this connection with God was strong and I was battling through the hard times with him by my side. So pre-depression, I was feeling the best I had ever felt in my faith. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's about the time that you and I met. And for everyone listening, I can attest that, you know, you were a role model for me in my faith because it was so important to you. You lived it out so strongly. It, it permeated everything in your life, I would say. So what were the early signs then that you were experiencing depression? I noticed the so I noticed about January 2018 that I was starting to isolate myself from everybody. Mm. I stopped wanting to hang out with friends all the time. I stopped wanting to go to church. I stopped wanting to pray and have a relationship with God. Um, I actually wrote down in my journal the beginning of that year. I said um, I went to church and I sat by myself and honestly I didn't feel like being there. I didn't feel like focusing or letting anything that was said reach my heart. And that was kind of the beginning of my isolation from everything. I was still going to church. I was still trying to pray. And I was still trying to have that relationship with God. I was still in a Bible study. And I was still leading it. But I felt myself becoming more and more tired and exhausted as every day passed in trying to keep up with my faith trying to keep up with the Bible study and trying to create this relationship. I'm already a pretty introverted person. Mm -hmm. So reaching out and being social and making connection is already pretty challenging for me. So isolation was kind of the first step. When I get tired, I, I know what exhausts me and I cut that out of my life. So that was one of the things I started feeling. And then I started feeling a lack of interest in the things I loved. Hmm. Like reading. I adore reading. And I hadn't picked up a book for months. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed that I just started feeling more apathy towards everything. And those were, those were kind of the three big signs that I felt at the very beginning. But at that point, I didn't know what was happening. I just thought that I was in a funk. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think a lot of people who you know are going through depression probably feel that same way. Like, oh, just a little bit off or it's a weird season. So what did life start to look like as your depression worsened? What did it look like for your relationships and your faith and your health as you kind of sunk deeper and deeper into depression? I had a friend about June, the same year, who called me up one day and she said, Sydney, I think you have depression. And she kind of said, these are the things I've been seeing. And I think this is what's going on. I think this is why you don't want to hang out with anybody, including me. I think it's why you just feel apathy towards everything. So that night I went and I looked up the symptoms of depression. 
and I had eight of the nine. Wow. The only, the only symptom I wasn't feeling was suicidal, but I felt little interest or pleasure in doing things that I loved, feeling hopeless, trouble falling asleep or staying asleep or sleeping too much, um, feeling tired, overeating, feeling like you're a failure, trouble concentrating on things, and just feeling like you're moving through molasses. Hmm. And the last one in that list is feeling suicidal. So I felt eight of those nine very strongly. And that's when I knew that my friend was right and I was actually depressed. Once I kind of diagnosed myself, I said, I need help. There's no way I can get out of this on my own. So I found myself a therapist who is amazing. I can't speak enough praises about her. She is incredible. That's amazing. And she and I dug through a lot just to figure out what I was feeling and what was going on. So from July until I'd say the following May, I was in what I call the deep, dark, depressive hole. Mm. And while I was there, I was crying at work every day. So I would go into the bathroom at least twice a day and I'd sit in the corner and I would just sob for 20 minutes. I just felt so hopeless and like nothing was going to get better and just sad. It was just sad. Yeah. Um, I felt that I was losing friendships because I didn't have the energy to reach out to anybody. The only people I could handle in my life was my boyfriend, my therapist, and my parents. Those were the four, four people that, that I could talk to without feeling like I was being overwhelmed mm-hmm. to the point of spiraling even farther. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super emotional all the time. Everything triggered me into feeling sad and hopeless. I spiraled very often and very quickly. I felt like I was physically unable to get out of bed most days. So I wasn't going to work until about 10 when I normally show up at 7.30. So it it just affected my entire day, my entire life. And then I guess for like two, I guess two examples that kind of put that into perspective for what was happening is I had, um, I bought a house about three years ago. And I had a housewarming party a year into it. And I invited all my friends and all of the people that I love in my life. And it was great. The four hours was, it was amazing. It was fun to show everyone the house, all the different colors. I painted my walls because I love my walls, different colors. <laughs> and it was, it was great. But the next day, Saturday and Sunday, I could not get out of bed. I think I spent all day in bed those two days. Mm-hmm. And then when Monday rolled around, I woke up. And it was just this sense of complete dread, utter exhaustion, and just it felt like suffering. Mm. And thankfully, my boyfriend had stayed the night because I wasn't feeling so great that Sunday. And I went to him in the morning and I said, I, I can't go to work today. And I just cried for three hours. And I had to take, I think, my first sick day for depression. Wow. It was, it was rough. It's, I, I would not wish depression upon anybody. That just break, breaks my heart hearing about it, you know, and I'm sure that a lot of people who, whose loved ones are going through depression feel that way of not being able to help or watching their loved ones go through something so painful and dark and hopeless and 
there's not much the rest of us can do sometimes, you know, that, oh, my heart is just breaking over here. And, and yeah. So in your battle with depression, what did your mental narrative look like? Like, how did you view yourself? How did you talk to yourself? What did, what did your self image look like at that time? I was really battling with who I was. And I think that's part of the reason I fell into a depression is I had all of these expectations from where my life was going to be and what I wanted it to look like. And it wasn't there. I wasn't, it wasn't where I wanted to be. So I think to watch therapy, my therapist and I determined that my depression was part circumstantial and also part chemical. So there's just something in my brain that is not triggering correctly. But I also was going through really eye-opening times where my expectations were not coming to fruition. I was not married. I did not have kids. I was in a job that felt like it was sucking the life away from me. And every day I went, I felt stupid and incapable and kind of worthless. And I think all of that led into falling down this depressive hole. So at the beginning, those were kind of the things that I was feeling. And they did continue through pretty much all of depression because those were kind of the things that would trigger me. But for the most part, I just felt hopeless. I felt this apathy towards life and also this apathy towards myself. The only emotion I could feel was sadness. I didn't feel anger or happiness or irritation. The only thing I felt was sadness. And so it's hard to figure out what's going on and figure out how to talk to yourself when all you feel is sad. Yeah. I know that through, through depression, as I went to therapy and I was going to therapy once a week, I was religious therapy once a week. I learned through the first couple months of therapy that I just had to let depression be what it was. Mm. I couldn't control it. It was too much for me to handle. So giving myself the grace to be sad, while it sounds simple and easy, was very challenging for me to just say, it's okay that I'm sad. It's okay I can't get out of bed. That's what I am today, and that's what's going to have to be all right. Mm -hmm. It's a process of minute by minute, day by day, or hour by hour, or sometimes it was second by second for me, of working your way through the day and acknowledging that where you are right now is okay. Mm. And you don't have to be anything more than where you are right now, especially when you're grieving or you feel hopeless or life just seems to hit you down. You're allowed to just be, you don't have to fix it immediately. That was one of the really important things I learned and had to keep telling myself was it's okay to be. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I think I think even people not experiencing depression, that's a great reminder. Like even for me right now, like, you know, I'm such a fixer. Like you're saying, you know, like I don't have to fix my emotions. I could just have my emotions. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we allow ourselves to sit in our emotions and just like let ride that wave out, we get to the end of it faster or better than if we're trying to like shove it down or pretend it's not there or ignore it or you know, because it's, it's what we feel and God created us to feel things. And so I think that's just such a good reminder to just feel our emotions, even the really, really sucky ones. Yeah. Even the sucky ones. Yeah. 
So what did your faith look like in the middle of that deep, dark depression? To say it was non-existent might be an understatement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I started isolating from God six months before I diagnosed myself with depression. I personally have a really hard time connecting with God. I'm a very tangible person and not being able to see him or hear him or even sit next to him physically is very challenging for me. Mm -hmm. So it's the relationship that I definitely struggle the most with, but at least I recognize that. Yeah. So, but because of that, it was one of the first ones that fell apart. Mm. It was hard for me to feel seen and heard when I couldn't actually listen to words or touch somebody. Yeah. So that's what started to fall away. But I still went to church. I was still trying to go and at least keep the habit and keep showing God that I was showing up. I think a part of living life is just showing God that you're there. You don't always have to be there and ready, but if you're there, that's better than if you didn't come at all. Yeah. So I was still going. And then when I started going to therapy, we started digging up a lot of stuff and I was, I was triggered more easily by everything. So James and I would go to church and I would sit there and they always play worship music first. And the first worship song that would play would destroy me because worship songs all about giving God the, the praise he deserves and recognizing that he's there in your hard times and Mm-hmm. all of these beautiful things that worship music gives you, but it was all these things that I was not experiencing. Yeah. And so listening to it sent me down a spiral. Mm-hmm. So I'd make it through one song and then I'd be crying. And my, my coping mechanism was to shut off, shut off the brain, shut off the emotions, stop listening. Mm-hmm. So I would sit through the next two worship songs, the entire sermon and the final song without taking in anything. So eventually I stopped. I had to stop going to church. It was causing more damage than it was helping me at that point, Mm -hmm. which is hard to say because church shouldn't be the thing that causes you damage. But you also have to realize where you are in life. And it's not that God was causing me damage. It was that all of the things at church were not helping me heal and I needed to heal. A lot of depression was just about being okay with where you are because the the motivation behind it was to heal and to become closer to God in the future. I think that's so good. And it's such a good reminder that one, God never leaves us, right? And so it's not about, you know, like if, like, if you're like, I'm not going to church, God's like, well, I'm out, you know, peace, have a good life (laughs) that he stays with us through those hard times. And I think there's just so many different ways that I think Christians especially have said like, well, my faith is good if I'm going to church or if I'm serving or if I'm doing all, you know, like checking all these boxes. And I think it's just a good reminder that it's, it's a lot deeper than that. And, you know, faith in God can still exist apart from those things. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, where we all should be all the time. Like there's a reason we go to church. There's a reason we pray. There's a reason we read the Bible, but faith can still exist and a relationship with God can still exist, you know, outside of those things. That's just a a good reminder. 
what I learned is that I needed to rely on the people around me. So instead of seeing God up down vertically, I was able to see God horizontally and how the people in my life were holding on to God for me. And that was such a big revelation for me, Mm. for my faith to be like, okay, I cannot talk to God right now without it pushing me backwards. But I can notice that the people around me are holding on to God for me and I can let them do that. I'm like getting a little teary eyed listening (laughs) to you because that's so good and it's so true. And I just think like we just need each other so much. And yeah, God is the only one who can, you know, fulfill us and satisfy us truly and deeply. But that's just such a beautiful picture of his love for us that he would use other people to intercede for each other and, you know, have that relationship with him on your behalf because you weren't in a place where you could. And that just, that makes me so emotional because it's such a a beautiful representation of what it means to, you know, link arms and and chase after God together. It, It means we don't let go of each other. Even when the other person has let go of God, we're holding on for them. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad you shared that. So you mentioned, you know, you started going to your therapist weekly. What were some of the first steps that, the other first steps that you were taking as you started fighting the depression? Well, my, I started going to my therapist and we decided right away that I'm a very logical person and I need to see the growth or see the not growth in order to make any sort of progress. So what we decided to do for the first couple months was reintroduce one thing you love back into your life. And it was start tracking how you feel every day. I love reading. So I wanted to introduce that back in. So she said, okay, you need to pick a reasonable goal. You cannot say, I want to read a book a week that Right. It's something you cannot attain right now. You need to do something that just gets you back into it for a little bit. So my goal every day was to read five pages out of a book. So I did that. And then she also had me rate how I was feeling every day, my depressive scale. So it was a one to 10. I never hit 10 because I, I made my own scale and I said 10 was suicidal. Nine was breakdown, can't get out of bed, utter hopelessness, crying all day. And it just kind of worked its way back down to one, which was feeling kind of like myself. So every day I would rate the day. I would say if I read or not. And that was what we started off with. And my journal and my trackers for the first couple months are all seven, eight, and nines. Hmm. But as time went on and as we started introducing more things into my life. Those numbers started dropping to sixes and sevens with the occasional nine or the occasional eight. And then they'd slowly drop to threes and fours with the occasional six. So it's just over time, I could see myself getting better and better and better. So even though I was still in depression, the depression was not as bad. Yeah. When you're in it, every day blurs together and every day feels miserable. But being able to go back and say, oh, I had four good days this week. So even though I feel horrible today, I felt good earlier. And so I can focus on the fact that I'm growing and I'm healing. Because instead of seven days in a row at nines, I had one day at nine. 
being able to track that was so beneficial for me. That's great. Yeah, that that's so good. I love those practical tools that you had, right? So I know a lot of people are, there's kind of a misconception, I think, among you know, just the community at large right now that's like, like that, that depression is done. Like there's a moment where it's just kind of like done or over. It was that your experience. Was there a moment when you felt, felt like you were, you know, back to normal or better or like done with depression? No, I don't think it, it, it doesn't just happen. It's not a moment in time. It is a very gradual process. I mean, the, it's kind of the same way that I explained that it just took time for me to notice my numbers go down on my yeah. tracking and my depression scale. You get better and better and you feel healthier and healthier, but it's not just a moment when you're like, great, I'm done with depression. Let's move on to the next thing in my life. Yep. It's For me, it's always going to be something that's looming because I've experienced it and I know that that's where I fall when I'm feeling incapable and unworthy and I will I will spiral into depression but it's not just over this week I was talking to my therapist and she asked how I was doing and I said you know I thought about it for like 5 minutes and I said I actually feel content and genuinely happy and healthy and it's not that it just happened but it's that I didn't notice it for a while that I was feeling healthy again. Mm. So, and I went back to my journal and I kind of read through and I realized that it had been a month and a half since I had a sad, hope, hopeless, depressive day. Okay, I think maybe this specific depression might be not over, but might be done enough that my life feels back to normal. Mm. So I feel kind of done quote unquote with depression, but I'm definitely not done growing out of depression. D depression took a lot of things from me. It took my faith. It took a lot of my friendships. It took my motivation. And I have to rebuild every single one of those aspects of my life. And that's what I'm doing. So while I feel healthy, I am still growing and rebuilding my life from depression. You always are so good about reminding me like growth takes time. And I think that's such a good reminder that something as damaging as your depression was in your life and how much of your life it took up, it's not going to be healed or gone or resolved in a day or a week or a month or maybe even like a year, you know, just because it was so monumental in your life, it's not just going to go away that quickly, too. I think that's. A really good reminder that you know it takes time to rebuild what was broken and something that's more broken is going to take more time to rebuild yes i i agree growth takes time and if you beat yourself up about how you're not growing you're not going to grow hmm. it's you you have to let the process happen you have to let your emotions happen and you just have to keep working day after day second after second to make it through to get to the other side. So throughout your process of battling depression and now kind of being where you feel like that time of depression is, you know, you're doing better and you're, you're healing from it. What has your faith come to look like as you've kind of worked your way out of depression? It has been very slow, but that is okay. 
There's nothing wrong with slow. I felt like I was ready to pick my faith back up. Mm. So I talked to one of my friends about it and he said that he also struggles with like praying out loud. And so he started journaling his prayers and my brain went, Oh my gosh, that's genius. Why haven't <laughs> I thought of that before? Your faith does not have to look like everyone else's faith. So good. Is what I'm learning. Your prayers do not have to look the same. You do not have to have it verbally. It does not have to be in your head. You could go do a prayer dance outside if that's how you are connecting with God. It's, yep. it's all personal and it's just you and your relationship with God. Forget about all of the other aspects of quote unquote Christianity. What matters is you and God. Yep. So you, you have to do what works for you. So I started journaling my prayers in March and it was great. I am still doing that. So I started, let's see. So in the mornings I would journal my prayers and then I, my therapist recommended me a couple books based on what I was going through in depression, kind of the hard stuff. So she recommended me this book called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. Brenner? Benner. Something along those lines. (laughs) And I picked it up and I read a chapter and it was too much for me. Hmm. And I recognized that. And I said, okay, I want to grow in my faith, not go backwards in my faith. So I'm not ready for this book. And so I put it down, I put it to the side and I picked up something else. And I worked my way through that book instead. And I spent a lot of time growing in what that book was teaching me and connected it back to God and had my prayer time, but I wasn't overdoing it. Hmm. It was start small and go big instead of starting big. Because when you start big, you get overwhelmed and you end up just going small. So I was starting with half a page of prayer and then five minutes in a book. I think I started reading the case for Christ, which is like pure logic, which is what I needed. I was too emotional. So I needed the context and the history and Mm -hmm. facts to get me started. And that was exactly what worked. And so after I finished that book, I was able to pick up that gift of being yourself, which is about how in order to know God, you need to know yourself. And in order to know yourself, you need to know God. It's Mm. this circle. And I picked that up at the right time when I was starting to mend the pieces of my life that depression had broken. So I started doing that. And like I said before, it's slow. So there are days now that I don't pick it up. I don't pick up my Bible study and I don't pick up my prayer journal. And that's okay. I, yeah. I cannot put the pressure on myself again because that pressure is what spirals me. So it's been better. And I have it. I have a faith. Even if it's small, I have one. And that's all that I can be proud of right now. And it's all that I'm asking for is just enough. It'll get stronger with time. And when church picks back up, that'll help. That means I get to go be with community again. And maybe I I will have enough energy to join a Bible study Hmm. and just start growing again. But growing because I want to connect with God, not because I feel like I need to do all these Christian checkmark boxes. I love it. It's so good. And I love to, um, it's so fun for me to hear you looking toward church and Bible study and community and being excited about that prospect. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, 
you wouldn't have, it would have, you know, overwhelmed you or you might've dreaded it or, or something like that. So that's just fun for me to hear that you're like excited and looking forward to church because that, that does mean like that you are in that process of healing and growing and returning to like your normal self. And, you know, that just, as your friend, that just warms my heart. So I love it. And that is where we are going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll answer some fun questions. So we will be right back. Hey, everybody, just wanted to share something that's on my heart. If you are listening to Sydney's story and recognizing that maybe you're experiencing some of those depression symptoms of depression that she mentioned, or you know that you're currently in a battle with depression right now, you're feeling those feelings of darkness and hopelessness and suffering like Sydney was talking about, I would just encourage you to reach out to the people around you. Ask for help. There's no shame in asking for help. The people around you want to walk with you. They want to bring you healing and hope. And so I would just really encourage you to reach out for help. There are a lot of great programs and communities and therapists and churches out there who want to help you and are waiting to help you. All it takes is you asking. And so I would just really encourage you to do that if you are experiencing those symptoms of depression. Know that I'm praying for you if you are. This tribe community is here for you however we can be, but it really is important that you reach out and ask for help if you need it. Love you all. All right, we are back. My first fun question for you is, what is your Enneagram number? I am an Enneagram 9. I am the peacemaker. So the things that I'm most proud of of the 9 is that I don't care. Hmm. Like, I don't care if you want to go out to Pizza Hut for dinner. Like, great, let's go to Pizza Hut. (laughs) I mean, part of it is because I don't like conflict. That's one of the things that nines are really bad at is conflict. (laughs) And I can strongly attest to that. I run the other direction from conflict. (laughs) But it's been so nice to see that these, these wonderful nines are so great at understanding everybody. Like Mm. they say they're the top of the Enneagram and they feel all of the numbers and they understand them all. And that is so accurate. My friend Ryan and I are walking through the Enneagram week by week. And after every week, the first thing I say is I resonated so strongly with this number. Mm. It's not my number, but I totally understand them. And I feel what they feel just on a daily basis. So it's like the nine feels their own thing. And then a little bit of everybody else. My husband, Jeff is a, he's a nine for sure. I I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. And we even like, I remember when we first started dating one of the very, like we were just talking about like our strengths and things like that. And one of the very first things he said was he knows he's a very empathetic person. Like he can just understand people's emotions and feelings and thoughts kind of, it's just like, like a, a part of his personality. It's like a God-given gift that he can really just understand and resonate with what other people are experiencing. Understanding who you are and how you function, even if you don't like the way you function, helps you figure out how to address it later. Right. Yeah. So really the, the Enneagram has been so important for my life Yeah. at this point. I love it. So, so don't good. knock it till you try it. <laughs> 
All right. My next fun question for you is, I know you're a reader, like you mentioned before. We, so for everyone listening, Sydney and I met in book club. So that's just give you a taste of how much we both really love books. Yes. So what, what three books would you bring with you if you were stranded on a deserted island? Okay. All right. I had to go down to my library and, <laughs> and look at my shelves this morning to make sure that I'd answer this question correctly. <laughs> my three books would be Lord of the Rings. Like the trilogy or one specific one? The trilogy, because okay. it was intended to be published as one book originally. Oh. But the publishers, when Tolkien was trying to publish it, were all, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and it got published into three. Got it. So that counts as one. It counts as one. <laughs> yes. And then I would do uh, The Host by Stephanie Meyer. Interesting. It is cheesy and stupid. And it's one of my favorite books. I reread it it every year. So good. It just, it makes me so happy. (laughs) So, you know, come at me, but I love it. Love it. And then I was tied between my last one. That's okay. Maybe maybe you get four. Yeah. I was going to say like Pride and Prejudice, which is just a solid classic sassy romance. Yep. But then I thought, oh, I already kind of have like a romance in the host. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking maybe I'd bring along Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. I tried to read Pillars of the Earth and I was like, nope, just oh, can't. It's so good. It's just this sweeping saga about monasteries and monarchies and building churches. And mm. it's just, it's long. And yes. it was so well written and so engaging for me. And I, I listened to it on audio, which might be helpful. Mm-hmm. But I would take the long books with me on an island. So I had more to read. <laughs> yeah. I might have to give that one another try. It's good. It's worth it. Last fun question for you is who would be on your personal board of advisors? Okay. The people that I want speaking into my life are my parents and my sister my boyfriend, James, my therapist, Emily, shout out to Emily. You're amazing. Oh, Emily. Go, Emily. <laughs> and then I'd probably, and then you, Oh, cause you're amazing. And I just adore you so much. And then my other friend, Ryan, I've known her since I was in sixth grade and I just, I would trust her with everything. All right. Last question for you. It's the way we end every episode here at the podcast is what do you want other women to know about God from your story? I'm going to turn this, turn this into a two-parter. Yeah. The thing I want people to know about God is that he's there. Mm. It's what I was saying earlier. I couldn't feel him vertically, but I knew he was there horizontally in the people around me. Yep. And I, I want people to know that he's always there. So if you don't see him or you can't hear from him, Look to the people around you and see how they're bringing God into your life. And if you feel like you just need more, then ask them to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Ask them to pray with you. Say, hey, you know, Hannah, I had a really bad day. I don't feel like I can talk to God about this right now because of where I am. But would you pray for me on my behalf? Love it. And that is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and then so good. And then the second thing I would say for that is recognize that you can just be that that is 
perfectly acceptable to just be. And then the thing I would say to other women, and this, this comes from personal experience and just kind of how things reacted, how, how I reacted to things in my life, is that if you want to help someone with their faith, if you want to hold on to it for them, if you want to be encouraging for them, you can't fix people with scripture. You need to show them God through your actions. Hmm, so the people that I cut out of my life the first were the people that spouted off Bible verses at me and just said, you know, for I know the plans or do not be afraid. And it's like, those are great, but those are not going to help me get through depression. Mm-hmm. I need you to come sit with me and just listen, or I need you to go pick me up an ice cream cone because I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Like showing God to others doesn't, doesn't even have to involve the word God or Jesus. Yep. It can just be, I'm showing you, I love you by bringing you a casserole. Yep. And that's how I'm giving you your God. Like your, your time with God is like that. Yep. So it's, it's just that I, I had lots of people try to fix me with scripture and it turned me off. It set me backwards. And so it's scripture is great and it's important and it is so telling to what God calls us to do and how he calls us to live and how much he loves us and wants us to have good lives. But you have to be willing to accept that or it turns you off. So knowing that as someone trying to help someone else, I think is very important. Sydney, it has been so good having you. I know that this is a hard topic. It's still something very much that's a part of your life. It's not something that happened, you know, years and years ago. It's, you're still kind of in the middle of it. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us and, and being vulnerable. And You're so very welcome. I have been looking forward to this. And I think one of the things that got me through, like helped, helped encourage me through depression was the fact that I could help others. That's so good. After this, like I understand what other people are go like are going through when they go through depression and I know how to help them and I can share what I've learned even though it might not be a lot it's it might be enough for someone and that's that's all I that's all I can ask for I just know that there are people listening who really needed to hear what you had to say and be reminded um, that they're still valuable and God still loves them so much even when they are struggling or battling depression and so Thank you for being that light in the darkness to people who are listening. I'm just very thankful for you and for our friendship. Don't you just love Sydney? I love her so much. It breaks my heart what she has battled her way through, but it brings me so much joy to hear how God is redeeming it and turning it into Um, a story that she can share with all of us to encourage us, especially if you are experiencing depression or you've been where she has. Um, That's why we do what we do here at this podcast. It's so that we can encourage each other and walk through life with each other and remind each other that we're not alone. And I, I love what she shared. If you know someone who really could use listening to Sydney's story, I would encourage you to share this podcast episode with someone, whether it's someone that you need to know what you've been going through with depression, or maybe this person is experiencing depression themselves. Sydney did such a great job of sharing that perspective from being in the middle of that deep, dark depression state. And so I would encourage you to share this episode. I also would encourage you to rate and review this 
this podcast. That'll help make sure that other women can find it and see it and um, help them find and remember that they're not alone in what they're going through. And as we always do, we're going to end with a blessing, a benediction from me to you as you travel through the rest of your day and your week. I just want to encourage you and love on you a little bit. Until next time, may your heart be filled with hope for the season you are in. No matter where you are, God is with you and will turn this time into something good for you. May your eyes be filled with wonder at the good that is around you. Even when it's hard to see it, it's there. And if you don't see it, perhaps that means it's time for you to be the good you want to see. And may your hands be filled with kindness as you interact with those around you. In a world full of darkness, may you bring the light of Jesus to those who desperately need it. And may you always remember, we're better together.